Hi, welcome to Story Hall, a podcast exploring the lore behind the most important stories in the world. So pull up a chair by the fireplace and let us put a story in your hole. <laughs> Hi, I'm Roger. Hi, I'm Joey. And I'm Kevin. Is there a TV show that you guys really connect with? Like one that you feel really represents your life and and your lifestyle? Darkwing Duck. (laughs) Man, I like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air a lot. I haven't seen a lot lately, but I think it's really good. Do you feel like the Fresh Prince really represents you? No. Really connects to the way you live? I think Joey's Jazzy Jeff. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. people always throw me out of the house and I'm a dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. In my heart, I I guess it doesn't really match me at all. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Kevin, are you Darkwing and Darkwing Duck? Yeah, I'm definitely I'm Darkwing Duck. I am an inept Batman and I'm always <laughs> saying, let's get dangerous. Yeah, true. That's, That's actually true though. You yeah. say that way too much. Yeah. I do. Well, for me, I think there's only one show that really represents me and in my world. Mm. And I bet you guys can guess what it is. Uh Darkwing Duck. Uh <laughs> Uh, Chippendales Rescue Rangers. Uh, close. It's Sex in the City. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Sex in the City was a TV series that ran from 1998 to 2004 about what it's like to be a rich, successful single woman in New York and all the ups and downs of dating in that world. And it's basically like reading my diary, except <laughs> that I'm a man and I'm married and I live in the suburbs, but it still really resonates with me and with a lot of people because the show was a cultural phenomenon for years. Did either of you guys get swept up in, in Sex and the City Fever? Dude, I know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I watched one episode. It was just so I could maybe see some boobs. I was, boobs in that show? It was an HBO show, right? No, there's not. Isn't it like a sitcom or something? Uh, it is, but it's surprisingly risque. I'm sorry. Are you saying the, the show called Sex and the City is surprisingly risque? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it's about as risque as you think it would be. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, great. So on today's hole, we're going to take a look at the story of Sex in the City. Like I mentioned, Sex in the City is about what it's like to be a woman in your early 30s dating in New York. And really, it's about the lives of four women in particular. Their names are Carrie, Miranda, Samantha, and Charlotte. And we'll talk about who each one is and, and what they're about. Um, let's start with Carrie. The show follows her as the main character for the most part. So the majority of the story we'll be talking about revolves around her. Carrie is a journalist, and she writes for a newspaper called the New York Star. Her column is titled Sex in the City, which oh. is where the show gets its title from, obviously. And it's also kind of the loose framework for the show, because her column is all about taking a critical look at what it means to be single and, and living in the city. And uh, maybe she's kind of trying to give a voice to all the single women struggling through the obstacles and pitfalls of dating. She never did as good of a job as Beyonce, though. No? Did Beyonce write a column about dating? She wrote that song, is she? All the single ladies? All the single ladies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She wrote a lot of songs and really gave a lot of empowerment to a lot of women out there. And I respect her for it. Genuinely, she probably did do a very good job at that. I was making a joke about the All the Single Ladies song, but she deserves a lot of credit. <laughs> I agree. Queen, Queen Bay. <laughs> but Carrie is smart. She's well-educated. Uh, she's really fashionable. Uh, she really focuses on style a lot. There's a number of times in the show that refers to how much money she spends on clothes. Uh, you want to guess how much her shoe collection is worth, for example? Oh, man, this is going to be fun. Would this show took place in the 90s? Uh, late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. Can we get some context um, on like what kind of what kind of bank she's running in? What's she rolling in? Uh, I mean, she's a she's a columnist for a newspaper, yeah. and she lives in Manhattan. So okay, 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 okay. Sixty thousand dollars worth of shoes. Wow. What? I want to take a a, a modest ten thousand, please. <laughs> the actual number is four thousand, which seemed like oh, a ridiculous geez. a lot to me, but it is. Now it, it really is. isn't that much at all. I mean, I mean, in comparison, to, how much do you think your shoe collection total worth is? <laughs> 
negative four dollars. I'm pretty sure I have a shoe made out of tape. You just wrap scotch tape around your feet before you go out. I I do I do legitimately have a moccasin building kit that I can make myself. For Boy Scouts, but I wanted to make my own. Times are tough, huh? You gotta you gotta make your own moccasins. Yep. Uh, but yeah, she spends a ton of money on clothes. She tends to be a little impulsive and maybe a little impractical. Uh, she lets her emotions drive her decision-making for the most part. And she also has a tendency to maybe be a little too selfish at times, especially when it comes to love and dating and relationships. But uh, yeah, that's Carrie. Okay. Carrie's best friend is a woman named Miranda. And like Carrie, Miranda is also super smart and well-educated. But in a lot of ways, she's also the opposite of Carrie. Miranda is very pragmatic and very practical. Uh, she's a hotshot lawyer, and she definitely has more of an analytical, factual, kind of lawyery view of the world. She tends to be the voice of reason to Carrie's impulsiveness. She's also pretty cynical about relationships. Just based on her own experiences, she doesn't really trust the motivations or the abilities of most of the men in New York. What so she you, tends to wait, come uh, off... Wait, uh, hold on, pause. Uh-huh. Abilities? Yeah, she thinks most men are just kind of uh, bumbling idiots. Oh, okay. I thought I thought maybe <laughs> that was going to lead somewhere else. Or sexual abilities. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that too, though. Yeah, she's just really, she's very negative, uh, pretty hard on guys, and yeah, just generally very cynical when it comes to love. Okay. When we start the show in episode one, it's actually Miranda's birthday. She's turning 30-something, and to celebrate, she's having a big party. And of course, Carrie is there to celebrate with her. And joining them are two other friends as well. And they're also the two other main characters of the show. It's Samantha and Charlotte. Samantha is a little older than the other girls, and in a lot of ways, she's more confident. She's very sex positive, very open. Uh, she calls herself trisexual because she's down to try anything. Oh. And, <laughs> that's, that's a good cross section of what the show is like. Yeah. <laughs> like that kind of writing. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, just a heads up maybe the worst writing of any show I've ever seen. It's absolutely <laughs> awful. I can see how in the 90s, late 90s, that's kind of a fun, like flirty, progressive way of, of approaching that. But nowadays, I think that's. That's, I would say, kind of the dominant theme of the show is yeah. progressive writing for 1998 that hasn't aged well at all and just seems really right. backwards now yeah yes i mean backwards. to be fair i could see that line being used on two and a half men and that's only like that's true three years old yeah <laughs> she also doesn't feel any pressure any really any strong desire to find a long-term relationship or to settle down she likes casual dating and one night stands and in general she just prefers lust over love and that kind of sets her apart from carrie and miranda carrie wants to find love and miranda even with how cynical she is about it it's because she wants to find something stable and long term but not samantha she doesn't need a relationship to feel fulfilled, which is a pretty cool character. You know, we're talking about being progressive. For that time, that, that was pretty progressive. And in a lot of shows and movies, the sex-positive woman was usually painted as being kind of negative, you know, something shameful or ridiculous. But right. Samantha broke that mold. Mm -hmm. You know, she's strong and she knows what she wants. And she isn't hindered by outdated ideas of femininity or anything like that. So she was seen as a pretty, a pretty inspiring figure in 1998. That's good. And also, like the others, she's rich and successful. She runs her own public relations firm. And in general, she's just really confident, very self-assured. And then the fourth friend, that's Charlotte. Her full name is Charlotte York. And she lives in New York City, which can't be a coincidence, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she must be a descendant of, of, like, the family that started New York or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's probably from England, too. Yeah, she might be the king of New York. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't address that in the show, but it's possible. Um, Charlotte is an art dealer, and she comes from a very upper-class, nudie Republican family. Uh, she grew up rich, and she was prom queen in high school, and in general, she's very waspy. And she's basically the opposite of Samantha when it comes to views on love and sex. She's super conservative. 
She wants love, not lust. And her views on dating and sexuality are very traditional. She believes that women should be reserved and, and they should play hard to get. And men should be knights in shining armor that are pursuing them. And she's even to the idea of not sleeping with someone until they're married. And usually, the other three friends think she's too naive and old-fashioned. They kind of give her a hard time for it. But at the same time, Charlotte's super positive and optimistic and just a really good supportive friend. So, those are our girls. Carrie, the emotionally driven, kind of selfish, impulsive writer. Miranda, the practical, career-driven, cynical one. Samantha, the confident, promiscuous woman that knows what she wants and she wants sex over emotional attachment. And Charlotte, the conservative, old-fashioned one that wants to marry her knight in shining armor and settle down. I feel like I can accurately identify which of the three we all are at this point. Oh, you think so? I think so, yeah. I feel like uh, I'm Miranda. <laughs> yeah, I, think I would agree. that Joey is Charlotte. Yeah, uh-huh. Charlotte, this last one? The very, the positive. Yeah, you're the conservative one that wants... Snooty one. Republican uh, conservative? <laughs> She's, <laughs> yeah, she's not super snooty. She's just more, yeah, comes from a very kind of upper class background. And that's not you, Joey. But I would say that your views on dating tend to be a little bit more conservative, right? I think you have an idealistic view. I don't know. I don't know what, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. <laughs> and then Samantha for, for Roger. Yeah, good. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> we just need to find our carry then, huh? Yeah, we're missing one. Yeah, she's really the leader, so we need to get a Carrie on the show. Carrie is Sarah Jessica Parker, correct? Mm -hmm. We should just see if Sarah Jessica Parker is available. (laughs) Yeah, she's probably not doing anything anymore now the show's over. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sex in the City 2. Yeah, there is a Sex in the City 2. It's a movie that came out. Uh, We're not going to get into the movies, but uh, maybe on on the sequel to this episode. After we (laughs) listen to it, though, we'll be ready to watch that movie. Yeah, uh uh-huh. I can't wait. Movie night this weekend. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let's do Sex in the City 3. It's a new show. It's, a, it's a, not even a reboot. It's a continuation of the original one. And it takes place in Simi Valley at yeah, your house, Roger. The city that we live in, Simi Valley. Sex in the City 3, sweaty boys. <laughs> so anyway, let's get into the story. It's Miranda's birthday, and her and the other three are celebrating. And of course, the conversation drifts towards their love lives. Carrie, Miranda, and Charlotte start venting about how difficult it is for them to find what they're looking for with men. Samantha responds by telling them that they need to stop complaining and just rethink the way that they date men. Her suggestion is that they need to start thinking like a man and just sleep around without any kind of emotional attachment. If they can't beat them, then they should just join them and play the same game. At first, the girls dismiss the idea. You know, they're like, what about romance and love? And Samantha says that the idea of waiting around for Mr. Right is an illusion and it's a waste of time. Charlotte, being the traditional one, says that that's a terrible idea. But Carrie, it gets her thinking. Maybe Samantha has a point. Maybe she should start dating like a man. And in the beginning of the series, that's the basic premise of the show. What would happen if a woman starts dating like a man? If if a woman was going to base her dating like a man philosophy on you specifically uh, and how you date, what would that look like, you think? Oh, wow. That's a complicated question, Roger. <laughs> let, me, let me set up my thesis for this essay I'm about to write. <laughs> They're not asking if, uh, to date like a man. It's to date, date like a Joey would. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Well, I mean, 
you got to be pretty lazy. <laughs> I mean, I'll see you like once every three weeks. Is that cool? And then just like take me to a place where there's a lot of puppies. Yeah. That or like, hey, uh, let's go to a, an astronaut place or some, some sort of. You mean space? Yeah, let's just go to space. Let's go to space, find some puppies, and I'll see you once every three weeks. That's what dating like a Joey is? Yeah, pretty much. It's great. Let me tell you. Uh, anyway, now, now Carrie's out on the town. You know, it's, a, it's her first night out trying out her new dating philosophy. And she's hanging out at a bar when she sees a guy that she used to date sitting by himself. And this guy was a real jerk. He was selfish and rude, and their brief relationship wasn't good at all. But hey, if she's going to start dating like a man, maybe this is her opportunity. So she walks up to him and she says, hey, do you want to get together later? And the guy is surprised and says, didn't didn't you say you never wanted to talk to me again? And Carrie's response is, who said anything about talking? Wink, wink. And with that, they go back to his place and things get very steamy. Oh, And as soon as Carrie has had enough, though, she just abruptly gets up, gets dressed, and walks out of the guy's apartment without even really saying a word, not caring at all about him or the way that that would make him feel or anything. She just got what she came for, and now she's walking out of his apartment. Is that is that what the way men are? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Men just get up and leave? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's just a a little rude. (laughs) Yep. That's yeah. that's the uh, entire premise of the beginning of the show is is that men just bone anything and have no consideration for anybody else. So the 1990s must have been a rough time in the uh, in the dating scene. True. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. I think men are more manipulative in that way for sex stuff. Maybe. I mean, I, those are some pretty rigid gender expectations. Yeah. 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 And that's really okay. what this show is about is about ridiculous gender assumptions. So Carrie leaves the guy's apartment and she's strutting down the street feeling really good about herself when somebody walking the other direction runs into her in an accident and it makes her drop her purse on the sidewalk and the stuff she keeps in her purse spills out all over the place. And what she keeps in there is a handful of different types of makeup and six condoms, which Carrie points out in the narration of the episode are ultra textured with a reservoir tip. And it's super embarrassing. Everybody sees her her reservoir tipped condoms all over the street. So she kneels down and she's trying to pick them all up and put them back into her purse when someone stops to help her out. And she looks up and you're not going to believe this. The person that stopped to help her is an absolute hunk, like a perfect 10 out of 10. He's wearing a suit and he has a chiseled jaw and like beautiful 1990s hair. Only in Manhattan, huh? <laughs> yeah, right? It's a classic love story. Mm-hmm. You know, he reaches to hand her the condoms and and their hands touch and, and their eyes meet and she's just smitten. It's a beautiful moment. It's like it's definitely the most romantic condom pickup I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sounds nice. Yeah. yeah. But Carrie thanks him and they exchange a couple flirty glances and then they go their separate ways. And that's it. But don't worry, we'll see this dreamboat again. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I can't get that hair out of my mind. <laughs> can't get the hair out of my mouth. <laughs> hey, today I accidentally actually swallowed some of my hair. Well, it's still connected to my head. What? I had to, I had you have to, to pull, pull it, out. it out of your throat? Yeah, it was gross. gross. Man, your hair is long, huh? It is very long, yeah. <laughs> I hope you can. Can you get it long enough that you can swallow it and poop it? It's still connected to your head. Isn't that miles of like... Uh, yeah. Of my intestines. Yeah, did you know if you stretch out someone's intestines, they'll wrap around the entire earth? Is that true? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine that? No. Okay, so it's a couple nights later now, and all the girls are out doing their own things. Miranda and Charlotte are on dates. And this isn't really important to the story at all, uh, so don't feel like you have to remember these characters' names. But the names of the men that they're on dates with are great. Miranda is out with a man named Skipper Johnston. Oh, and good. Charlotte yes. And Charlotte is out with Capote Duncan. Wow. <laughs> Who would you rather be? Would you rather be Skipper Johnston or Capote Duncan? Capote. Uh, I mean, yeah. 
I, I want to be I want to be Skipper. Yeah, yeah. My dad would call us names like that when we were kids. He call you Skipper Johnston. Babe, that just makes me think of my dad. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> while those two are out doing that, Carrie and Samantha are at a bar together, and it's uh, it's the kind of bar that has a lot of potted plants, and they serve martinis, and people there wear like business suits. But the name of the bar is Club Chaos, cool. which is maybe the least appropriate name for that type of bar. But anyway, they're out there looking for some uh, some fun, flirty action. Mm-hmm. And because that's Samantha's way of life, and Carrie is trying out her new date-like-a-man philosophy. And Samantha points out a hunk across the room to Carrie. He's a young, very handsome, very rich entrepreneur. And it's the man from the street earlier. It's the one that helped Carrie with the condoms. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and they talk for a minute about what a big shot he is. And Carrie nicknames him Mr. Big because of it. Oh. That's Mr. Big. I've known about Mr. Big for years. I didn't know who he was. Yeah? Now I know. How have you known about him? Uh, Did you bump into him too? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You dropped your wallet and then he picked it up and handed it to you. (laughs) Uh, He sees Carrie and and he waves. But Carrie is intimidated and she just kind of smiles back at Mr. Big and she doesn't go talk to him. And Samantha says, well, if you're not going to go hit on him, I will. And she disappears in the crowd to go try to sleep with Mr. Big. But at the end of the night, it's time to go home. And Carrie is out on the street trying to get a cab. But she's not having any luck. None of the cabs are stopping for her. And she's just about ready to give up and walk home when a black limo pulls up next to her. And the window rolls down. And guess who's inside? Capote. It's Mr. Big. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Even better if uh, a cab came up and he was one driving it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Mr. Big. And he asks Carrie if she needs a ride home. And Carrie happily accepts. And on the ride home, he asks her what she does for work. And Carrie says that she's a sexual anthropologist which is kind of overselling her job, I think. Wow. Um, And he says, does that mean you're a prostitute? (laughs) And she says, no, she's actually doing research on what happens when women treat sex and dating the way that men do. And he asks her what she means by that. And she explains, you know, well, men have sex. And then afterwards, they just feel nothing about the other person. And Mr. Big says, that's not true at all. He's not like that. And Carrie responds, really? What's wrong with you then? Wow. And Mr. Big just kind of laughs it off and he says, oh, I get it. You've never been in love before. And that hits Carrie hard. You can tell it really kills some of the excitement that she had about the whole sex like a man thing. And as Carrie is getting out of the limo in front of her house, she stops and she turns around and goes back to the car window. And she asks Mr. Big, wait, have you been in love before? And he smirks and he just says, Abso-fucking-lutely. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then the limo just speeds off and disappears into the night. Yeah, I had like four personalities. <laughs> Which is some of the worst dialogue I've ever heard. Do you think that's his his keyword for the limo driver to just blast off like hi-ho silver? Secret code like yeah. get me out of here? <laughs> Can we all make a pact that we're going to start using abso-fucking-lutely a little bit more in our lives? No, never. No, never. No. Sorry, Roger. Not on this one. <laughs> just me, huh? Yeah. yeah. I'll let you know how it goes. That's a weird reply, man. <laughs> That's like a weird, like a, a weird brag. It's so weird. Why would you brag about that? <laughs> I'm stoked because I was in love at some point. It's weird. Yeah. But it, the conversation does have a big impact on Carrie. It takes the wind out of her sails a little bit. And, and her whole new date like a man philosophy, it just uh, she starts to maybe doubt that it's the direction she wants to go in after all. And after that, Carrie and Mr. Big end up running into each other a handful of more times. And whenever they run into each other, they chat and they flirt a little bit. And eventually it ends up developing into a relationship. But it's a rocky relationship. Carrie feels like Mr. Big is just kind of emotionally unavailable, which leads to a lot of arguments and and breakups until the whole thing just kind of fizzles out and they decide to go their separate ways. Months later, Carrie has started a new relationship with a nice guy. He's a good guy. And things are going really well. And she's, you know, she's moved on. She's over Mr. Big. One day, though, Carrie and her new boyfriend happen to run into Mr. Big 
and Mr. Big's wife. Oh. It turns out in the time since they've broken up, Mr. Big met someone new and then married her in the span of like six months. And this hurts Carrie pretty bad. You know, he was so emotionally unavailable and so resistant to her relationship with him. But with this new girl, he just jumped right in. So they have this really awkward conversation. And then Carrie accidentally spills some coffee on Mr. Big's dick. And then the couples <laughs> just say bye and they walk away. But shortly after that run-in, Mr. Big reaches out to Carrie. He tells her that his marriage is terrible. It was a big mistake. He rushed into it, and he regrets her, and he really misses Carrie. And he wants to know if she would like to maybe start an affair with him. What? He can cheat on his wife, and she can cheat on her new boyfriend, which is a wild proposition. But Carrie happily agrees. What? Uh, I mentioned before, she's a little little selfish with her love and relationships, and uh, this is the perfect example of that. Why don't they just break up with the other other two people? (laughs) You'd think so. But no, this is a much better option. Yeah. And surprisingly, it's it's a problem in her relationship. Her new, <laughs> her new boyfriend finds out, and he's obviously very upset, but they agree to work it out. And kind of as a result of that, the new boyfriend proposes to Carrie. Oh, this is crazy. And, and Carrie... This is all too much. <laughs> I hate this show. Uh-huh, it's terrible. <laughs> it's an awful show. <laughs> um, Carrie, she really does like the new guy. They had a great connection, but she feels like he's proposing for the wrong reasons. You know, he's, he's trying to marry her to keep her from cheating. Like he wants to send a message to show all the other men in New York that she's off the market. So she says no. She doesn't want that to be the grounds of their marriage. And the relationship dies. Now, at the same time, the affair wasn't great for Mr. Big's marriage either. He ends up getting a divorce, which is great because now both him and Carrie are single and they can resume their rocky relationship. And they do it, and it still sucks. There's all kinds of fights and turmoil. And eventually, Mr. Big announces that he's leaving her to move to Paris for business. That's it. You know, they're, they're over. Which is heartbreaking. Yeah. It's heartbreaking for me because I really wanted them to end up together. Yeah, they wanted know? to work it out. And, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they're both so perfect people. That it makes sense. Yeah, they deserve yeah. it. Yeah, they deserve love. I just, yeah, I just want them to be happy. So he's gone. He moves on, and Carrie's left alone in New York. But life goes on. You know, she goes back to dating other men, and Mr. Big is just out of the picture. And eventually, Carrie meets a hot Russian artist, and they hit it off. And soon, they're in a pretty serious relationship. And in a pretty incredible coincidence, the Russian wants Carrie to move to Paris with him. And she says yes. She's going to leave New York City and go see what kind of life she can have in France with this, uh, with this Russian artist. So she says goodbye to Charlotte and Miranda and Samantha and she packs her bags. And I know what you're thinking. This is probably setting up a situation where she runs into Mr. Big in Paris. Absolutely. And they give it another shot and fall in love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. On the night before she leaves the U.S., Carrie walks out of her apartment and she sees a black limo parked across the street. It's Mr. Big, just parking in front of her place, creeping on her. Oh, good. It turns out he came back from Paris right before she left for Paris and he wants to see her. He tries to apologize for everything, for how he acted and how terrible the relationship was. But Carrie won't have it. It's too late. She's over it. She tells him he can park in front of this apartment every night if he wants to because she doesn't even live here anymore. And she storms off. And Mr. Brig is heartbroken. You know, Carrie is gone. And now he's alone in New York and he's just pining over her. So a couple of weeks go by and he really feels like he has to do something to try to get her back. So he reaches out to Miranda and Samantha and Charlotte and he asks if they'll meet up with him for some advice. He explains that he knows he made mistakes and he just wants to fix it because he truly does love Carrie. And after listening to his story, the girls agree that he needs to go to Paris and get his girl back. And it's a good thing that they do, because Carrie, meanwhile, is miserable in Paris. Her Russian boyfriend sucks. 
You know, he doesn't have any time for her. He's just... Uh, He's always rushing around. <laughs> yeah. And she's just really lonely and just really unhappy and really re- regretting her life choices. So then all of a sudden, Mr. Big shows up in her hotel lobby somehow. And Carrie is just delighted to see him. And they almost instantly fall back in love. And it's for real this time. So Mr. Big whisks Carrie back to New York. And the next morning, he drops her off in his limo back at her apartment. And as she's getting out of the car, she asks if he'd like to come up. And Mr. Big grins really big. And he says, Abso-fucking-lutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool, huh? Man, what a cool... He's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the story of Carrie. That's Carrie's storyline throughout the entire series of Sex in the City. They do expand on her relationship with Mr. Big in a couple of Sex in the City movies that I mentioned. Uh, but, you know, we'll cover those uh, in our next our next Sex and the City podcast. Oh, great. Or our standalone, our standalone Sex and the City spinoff. <laughs> anyway, Carrie is definitely the central character of the show. But while all that's happening, the other three girls are having their own lives. Uh, do you guys want to talk about what happens with them? Oh, I yeah. Can't wait. Yep. Okay. So who do you want to know about? Charlotte, Samantha, or Miranda? Uh, what do you think, Joey? Let's go with Samantha. Samantha? Yeah, I think Samantha sounds like the most fun. Or do we want to save the best for last? They're all juicy, so it doesn't even okay. matter. Samantha it is. Okay. Samantha, you know, she's the sex positive one that prefers one night stands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and she sticks to that for the most part. She rarely dates anyone for any length of time. She just kind of sticks to a carefree single lifestyle until she's at a restaurant and she spots a very sexy waiter. And it turns out he's an aspiring actor and model. And Samantha thinks that he might have some real potential, both as a fun guy to sleep with, but also as a potential client for the public relations firm that she runs. So she goes up and she talks to him and he agrees to both of those things. They sleep together and he becomes one of her clients. And both those things go really well. Samantha and him hit it off. And at the same time, her public relations work starts to make him a real successful actor slash model. And over time, the relationship continues to grow and gets more and more real. And Samantha resists it at first. She's reluctant to commit to any real, you know, any real relationship out of fear of losing the single lifestyle that she loves. But eventually, that starts to shift. Samantha gets diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And she beats it, but it's a really hard road. Her hair falls out. She goes through chemo. And it's just really, it's just really tough. But the whole time, the sexy model stays by her side. And it makes her realize that she really does love him and she wants to be with him. And with that, Samantha, the committed bachelorette, ends up in a committed relationship. That's Samantha. Now, do you want Charlotte or do you want Miranda? Yep, Kev. Uh, uh, Charlotte. Okay, so Charlotte is the traditional conservative one. And she just really wants to get married and, and have like a stable conservative family at home. So she sets a goal for herself. She decides that within the year, she will find a husband. And luckily, she meets a guy that she thinks could be perfect husband material. His name is Trey McDougal. And he he rescues Charlotte after she has almost ran over by a taxi. So he's like literally her knight in shining armor that came to rescue her. And they start dating and he really fits all the things that she had envisioned in her perfect future husband. Except that she notices that he's really easy to manipulate. And Charlotte decides that maybe she can take advantage of that. You know, she starts subtly pressuring him into marrying her after they've only been dating for like a month. But he just won't pop the question. So eventually, she just flat out says, you should propose to me. And he says, yeah, sure. Okay. Wow. And then that's it. They're engaged. Which is really unfulfilling for Charlotte. She always kind of envisioned this really romantic proposal. And she just didn't get it. 
But still, she's happy to be engaged to him. She still loves him. Uh, they also decide, since they're both very conservative, that they won't sleep together until their honeymoon. Eventually, the big day comes. They get married and they take off on their honeymoon. And that night, it's time to finally get wild when it turns out he can't. Uh-oh. He has issues in the bedroom. He can't have sex with her. Oh, no. Which is a huge problem, right? And probably something they should have figured out before they got married. Man, that's right. that's like a one in a million thing. They're really sticking it to this whole wait till marriage thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, the one representation is the worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it sucks for Charlotte because beyond being unfulfilling and sad for her, Charlotte really wants to have kids. And now that's off the table if, if her husband can't sleep with her. So that's it. They get a divorce. And the perfect vision of her husband and her life kind of falls apart. But while she's dealing with all that, she realizes that she's kind of falling in love with the divorce lawyer that she hired to handle her divorce. And the divorce lawyer isn't at all what she had envisioned in her husband. He's bald and sweaty and has weird body hair. But she's super happy with him and they have a great relationship. So Charlotte realizes that some of her strict expectations about life were maybe a little bit off base. And she should open herself up and open her heart up and find real happiness. Find yourself a real sweaty, bald guy. <laughs> That's kind of the moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know any? <laughs> well, I'm really sweaty and my hair is kind of falling out. Yeah. Do you have weird body hair, though? That's what I want to know. Uh, no. Actually, I don't feel that criteria. So You don't, you don't have uh, barely any body hair at all, Joey. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. You're you're smooth from toe to tip. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got I got like I got like a whole full body wax when I was a baby, <laughs> so it just never came in. <laughs> if you do it too soon, it's permanent. Yeah. I wish that were true. My parents were really <laughs> traditional, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the last one's Miranda. Um, that's you, Kev, right? Yeah. Okay, so Miranda <laughs> yeah. is the is the <laughs> yes. <fuck> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it works. It feels really good rolling off the tongue, huh? <laughs> no, I think I lost a bit of myself in that. Yeah. Joey, can you give us one? I don't. I don't know if I feel comfortable doing okay. that. <laughs> Maybe someday. Okay, so Miranda is the practical, cynical one. Uh, she doesn't trust men or have any hopes of meeting someone good for her, really. And for the most part, she's right. She just has a ton of bad experiences with the dating. One evening, though, Miranda and Carrie have plans to meet up at a bar and get some dinner. But Carrie doesn't show up. Miranda calls her from the bar to see what's up, and Carrie tells her that Mr. Big is cooking her some veal cutlets, so she's not going to be able to make it. Which is pretty rude, huh? Totally. So, obviously, Miranda's frustrated and annoyed, and and she kind of yells at her over the phone a little bit. And then she hangs up. And the bartender comes over to her and starts to flirt, asking what all that was about. And Miranda responds by being pretty mean to him, but he doesn't seem to mind. And they end up going home together at the end of the night. And Miranda just figures it'll be a one-night stand thing. But it develops into kind of an on-again, off-again relationship that lasts for a while. Until eventually it just kind of loses its momentum. Until the bartender loses one of his testicles. <laughs> and that's the jumpstart their relationship needed. What? The bartender gets testicular cancer and he has to lose one of his balls. And that leaves him feeling really inadequate, like he's less of a man now. And Miranda, in an effort to show him that he's still just as good as his old two-balled self, <laughs> she sleeps with him. <laughs> Which ends up with a baby. She gets pregnant. Wow. Well, that last testicle's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe all the power from one of them went into the other one. It's like when you lose your eyesight and your hearing gets really good. Same kind of thing. <laughs> and although both her and the bartender are a little unsure of what they want at first, they realize that they do actually love each other. So they get married and they raise their child together. 
and that's Miranda's life. Oh, that's oh, nice. They're, they're happy, and they they're happily ever after. Yeah, it works out for them. Oh, okay, yeah. good. Yeah. So, Kev, Kev, you have the best future, I guess, of all of us. Cool. Yeah. And that's it. Those are my girls. Those are my. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I love your collection. Thanks. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Do you love Sex in the City? No, <laughs> I no. I mean, I generally feel like I can find something I like about everything, but. I think I'm stuck on this one. It's honestly pretty despicable. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because it's such a it's trying to set a strong positive female role model in a lot of ways and just really missing the mark so so badly. Well, they set it up so good. Like there's so many different these friends are all very different so that anyone could mm-hmm. attach to one of them and be like, "No, that perspective is correct." But yeah. I just don't I there's not nothing there's nothing there for me. <laughs> I think it's the the fact that they they like put a bow around all these things. They establish these characters to fit different kinds of mindsets out there in the dating world. And then they they kind of judge them mm-hmm. almost by giving them an ending and they're always yeah. they seem to yeah. be like very negative aspects. They kind of find a fault in every one of them. Yeah. 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 It's not a positive kind of spin on those those ideas. Maybe that's the point though. Maybe that's they wanted it to be a little bit more real in that way since everything else is so full of, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like whimsy. I don't know. Mm. I guess. I mean, I just, I guess my problem with it is think about Carrie's story. She is in love with Mr. Big, has a bad relationship because he's emotionally unavailable. Mr. Big doesn't really treat her very well. Yeah. But then goes and rescues her in the end, and now they're happy together. You know, it's like trying to set up these strong women uh, characters, but then still just falling back on on just bad tropes. Yeah, yeah, he's totally a, a just like your standard white knight. Yep, kind of totally. Yeah, and he's a bad one at that mm-hmm. too. But maybe yeah. it's again, it's late nineties, so maybe it's just different. Yeah, I mean. What, The Matrix came out in like 2000, right? Something like that. Yeah, there was tons of sexism in there. <laughs> yeah. That's all I, I can think I, about, Would really. you guess rather date Neo or Mr. Big, I guess is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a hard question if you think about it. <laughs> Explain yourself. It'd be hard to date Neo because he's not of this world anymore. Yeah, but if he gets right? someone calls you on the phone, like you want to talk to him on the phone, and then he zips into your neighborhood. He's, he's with you now in your room. <laughs> That's kind of cool, but yeah, also probably he probably only wears weird tattered clothes. Well, Kanye West sells those clothes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Your, your negative side of Neo is this close? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, while he's in the Matrix, he wears like really slick black leather, right? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah but but I can't go with him. Are we dating him in the real world or are we dating him in the Matrix? Well, I can't go in the Matrix. So, I what? mean, you'd have to come out to me. I mean, we, we're, I think in this situation, we're in the Matrix. Yeah. I'm in the, we're oh, in the no, Matrix. Oh, no. I am in the Matrix. I am in the Matrix. Right. Well, then fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Let's date him. Yeah. 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 I think the choice is obvious. <laughs> I, I got a little <laughs> thrown around there for a minute. I think I'm back on track. <laughs> cool. Is there anything else you guys want to add about, uh, about Sex in the City? About your girls? No, but... I'm so- really... I, I appreciate, Roger, that you went through and did this for us because I am truly curious about yeah. that show. And I, I would have probably succumbed to watching it. And I thank you for, for falling yeah. on that night for us. Yes, thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, it, I was expecting it to be kind of good for some reason. And yeah, not at all. Yeah, I would have too. There's like seven seasons of it. There's a lot. And obviously I didn't watch every episode, but the episodes I did watch, yeah, terrible. Yeah. Just absolutely, <laughs> absolutely terrible. Did you watch any with Laura? No, no. Oh. I should have got my wife on it. Yeah, yeah I want to I spin her perspective. No, this was just kind of a private thing of me just hunched over, <laughs> <laughs> hunched over my phone in the dark. <laughs> you just tell your wife that I'm really busy right now. <laughs> uh, That's good. 
cool. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap Roger, it up. Roger, do you want to go to dinner? <laughs> no. I can't. I told you I got to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Laura just now? <laughs> yeah, spot on. <laughs> cool. Um, we got a we got a little shout out for uh, uh, James who just sent us a, a nice little email. He played us all in a very equal light by giving us three options for who he was addressing it for: uh, Roger, Kevin, and Joey in different orders. And uh, he also says that he doesn't want us to do multiple episodes of Sex in the City. So uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, so th- thanks for that, James. <laughs> I'm with you. You're the kind of listener that I want around. Thanks for saving us, James. I mean, we all agree it's not good, but we all agree we want more, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's... Yeah, it's true. I was going to do a standalone podcast, a side project, which is just me talking about Sex in the City. <laughs> Roger in the City. Sex in the Roger. <laughs> I was thinking Sex in the Roger. <laughs> cool. Thanks, uh, thanks, James, from Omaha. Yeah. And if, if anybody else wants to send us an email, uh, that'd be great. We'd love it. If you have any suggestions for stories you'd like to hear or just anything you want to you wanna tell us, send us an email at storyholepodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram. Uh, that's Storyhole. What is it? Storyhole Podcast? Storyhole Podcast. Yeah, yeah just Storyhole Podcast. You can also uh, add us on Twitter. You can be our, our 11th follower. <laughs> Storyhole Podcast one. Get in on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah. And also, if you wouldn't mind going to iTunes real fast and just sending us like a, a quick rating if you don't have the time to write down a full review it's really fun to read those though yeah we'll read it on the show yeah we will read it on the show verbatim regardless of what you say i finally got my wish granted and was lambasted by so coolio <laughs> yeah. um, i'm set free he he granted my third and final wish and so now now you need to pass that mantle on to one of us yeah who do you want who do you want to give it to um my heart says roger okay yeah so hey if anybody could leave a review on iTunes that just really lets me have it now, I guess uh, that'd be great. Just really make me feel bad about myself. Yeah. yeah. I could use it. Yeah. I, could get, I could get knocked down a peg. On that pedestal for a long time in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one last thing I want to say real fast. Yeah. This is episode 51, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Next one's going to be the last one of the season. Yeah. Grand finale of season one next week. Grand finale. We're going to we're gonna leave you with a crazy cliffhanger. <laughs> one of us dies. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never guess who. And one of us is pregnant. <laughs> yeah. We'll be back, though. Season two, probably starting early July, I would imagine, right? Yeah. 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 So we'll talk about that more next episode. Mm-hmm. Why do I get that summer vacay in? Yeah. I'm going to hit the beach. I'm going to go to Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Bye. See ya. Bye.